Everybody, welcome to another edition of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of whiskey again, the show of music, show of emos in the early 2000s. So this interview happened quite fortuitously. I happened to already be at Vox Table interviewing the amazing Trevor Schneider, and lo and behold, this native Texan, fan of Saddle Creek, fan of emos, propagandi, this huge music fan, he just happened to miss his flight. And I caught him in that same evening, and we had a really brilliant chat. I learned a bit about Balvenie Scotch. I learned a bit about Jonathan Wingo himself. But I also learned that everybody on the William Grant and Sons roster is just absolutely amazing. Some of the best personalities I've ever met. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this chat with Jonathan Wingo. Same show at Emo's in 2000. We can't agree on the year, yeah, but like 2001, know. 2002, probably. But that was a time when Propagandi, they would like release a record and then they would maybe tour every other record. Yeah, it's, exactly. So you like, your eyes lit up, like, oh, it's the first time in seven years. Right. So you felt like if they're coming within three state radius, you go. So I was in Dallas at the time and I had some kids and I was one of those fake punk rockers. Like, uh, <laughs> I was, well, because I grew up like this, I grew up in a very strict Christian household. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't it, allowed to. Not allowed as strong because I was definitely in it. I was, you know, Jesus was my friend and all that stuff. So I was totally involved. But like the way I got into that music, uh, the the music spoke to me. But I would do, you know, I went to Cornerstone Fest and like MXPX was like too bubblegum oh, for me, man. right? Yeah, yeah. Like I had to get to the hardcore kids and like noggin toboggan. Like I knew all of the. Was it this count like kind of rebelling against even what was kind of punk even though you're right mxpx a little bit sugary but like yeah but is it more like no i gotta go darker and i gotta go harder yeah well so th- well, i i got introduced to it by way of if i wanted that music it had to be christian so right. i had right, to right, go right. The, the tooth and nail route oh yeah but that okay. only lasts i mean and no knock on them i mean that, that got me through a lot of like really tough <clears throat> pubescent <laughs> stages but I like this girl, and then I, she didn't like me, and then I listened to MXPX. Yeah. <laughs> you, and at the same time, you realize like the queers exist, mm-hmm. and then like and then Darlington comes from the queer. Like you realize all of this fun stuff comes afterwards. Yeah, yeah. That existed at the same time. Anyway, so I got into. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just be honest with myself and my family. I'm not feeling the whole God thing, and I'm just. I mean, it was like Rage Against the Machine yeah. led to. Ska, which is weird. Yeah. Which then led that is, to. That is weird. It's yeah, weird. Yeah. But it led to hardcore and punk. And then I was like, oh, I was very politically, my eyes were open and I yeah. was aware and I knew everything. Uh, and for some reason, like, actually, it was a, uh, it was a drumline camp. We were going down uh, and one of the elder statesmen who was at the high school, I was on drumline in high school, mm-hmm. um, he is like, oh, I play, I play drum set and I love punk rock. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, pop collar bro would never expect right no like, not at all and he's like listen to these riffs man 
and he puts on propaganda. He's like, oh what? my god, my face melts, right? Really? And this is like long. Yeah, you know, talk about political, Jesus. Yeah, late nineties, and he's laughing, right? Because they're like, you know, uh, meat is still murder, dairy is still rape. You yeah, know? yeah, you're like, yeah. You hear that as a, like a kid, you're like, that's so well written. I love this. <laughs> they don't even rhyme. I love, you know, you're like, get into it. So fast forward several years, you, they come out with an album. Oh, what was that album? Mm. Uh, I cannot remember the name of that record for the life of me. Uh, all right. Well, okay. So it was it, good though. It had like I think like uh, this is the Mo- Motor League. It had Motor League. Okay. On, okay. Right? Uh, and everybody's like, "What is that?" And it's, it was a map store. It was some sort of whatever store. Yeah. Um, that was the question that I waited after at the emo show to ask them. Absolutely. No shit. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's a three piece that makes more noise than they were louder Mars than Volta. a veil was. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mars Volta's there just twiddling with their nuts the whole oh, show. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not, let's let's have a little El Paso love. No, I, I don't in, get in, me wrong. I love Mars Volta, but I don't like 12 minute songs where you could have taken the five minutes of guitar solos out, Omar. Oh, oh, oh my. I'm, I'm not to be spicy. <laughs> no, no, no. I just, when I walked in, to be fair, I, I, my, my birthday is in Halloween. And I would always try to go to a show on Halloween. Yeah, yeah. And I walked into one and I had no idea who, Mars Volta was just like opening for someone. Yeah. At the drive-in was oh, done. Was this the anniversary? Yes. Yeah, that was a weird tour. It was a weird tour. Really weird tour. Yeah. yeah. Wow, we have really, so anyway, so <laughs> I brought in some kids to this idea of like, hey, this is punk rock. And we had done, I think maybe, the show previous, there was a there was a place in Dallas called Deep Elm Live. Oh, yeah. And I think the Vandals went on tour with Lagwagon. It was like a very, uh, if there could be a bubblegum, like top level, yeah. pop 40s of punk at the time, they would come to Deep Elm Live and they would tour together. Right. Um, not not unlike the Vagrant record tours that would, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you see Dashboard and Alkaline Trio, like, what are you doing? <laughs> anyway, so I brought this kid and I remember these two kids. Um, one was... The little brother of, of my girlfriend at the time, uh, he he was just like, I, I was getting great brownie points for bringing this kid along. Yeah, yeah. And the other kid was like nerdier than I was, uh, coming into himself. One of the funniest kids I've ever met, uh, Brad Vogley. Um, Bradford. Bradford. <laughs> uh, so Brad and Matt, I took them to their first show, their second show ever. Yeah. Ever. Wow. Was this three-hour drive from Dallas to Austin to go see, see this show. Propaganda, yeah. So we're and we're at emos, and I had never seen a show at emos. I'd only heard, well, it's like this indoor outdoor space. Right. They have a couple of things. So you're like, all right, uh, I'm just really excited. I didn't know there was like 19 bands. That was I'm, a big lineup. It was that a night. big yeah. lineup. And when you you're there, there's like Leatherface was there, Small Brown oh Bike. Oh my god, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> all <laughs> I mean, this stuff. Yeah. yeah. So you you like walk in and you you want to seem. I mean, you're there for the music, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you also want to seem like, shit. Did I bring my did I bring my leather belt? Like, <laughs> are my shoes Velcro? Get all fairness, like small brown bike to propaganda. You're getting all kinds of kids: the white belts, the dicky black pants, like all everything. of it. You know everything. But that was the beauty of emos, really. Yeah, yeah. No, kinda, you're right. It's not the same anymore. As as I drink a, and I, I brandish a tear and drink some booze. <laughs> yeah, emos just isn't what it used to be, Jonathan. Well, I'm none so of. Sorry. I mean, I did that time in New York where I went to CBGBs. Actually, we were talking about cruiserweight a little mm-hmm. earlier. Cruiseway did a show at CBGB's and really, yeah. So Whoa. the way your eyebrows went up yeah, is yeah. like it's it's awesome for them because they get to say they did a show at CBGB's. Mm-hmm. But even they would admit that like CBGB's CBGB's <laughs> CBGB's was not what it was. No, of course not. Yeah, and yeah. and you go in and you're like, wow, this club actually should shut down. Like, right. It's it's everything makes of urine and uh, the sound sucks and but. To be there as a Texas kid living in New York it's and have amazing. your friends come through and play yeah. a show. Oh, that's a lot of music talk. Man, 
Well, no, so, all right, so I'm going to try to find some structure because we're right. going we're gonna to go, we'll There's talk about music a whole lot, dude. Yeah. And I want to talk about Saddle Creek for a second. You got this shirt, and I, I absolutely know Saddle Creek. Apparently, I don't know their goddamn logo because it's on your <laughs> shirt. <laughs> yeah. And I know we would be talking about Tim Kasher already. Yeah, oh, yeah. man, I get, I get comments. It's just, all it is is basically, it looks like a surf shirt, actually. It's like, um, it's got that circle with the slash, like the surfing slash. Oh, um, TNC. Is that the one? No way, no, no, no. I'm thinking of TC Surf. No, that's not that one. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably I, 10 years older than you. Really? No, I don't think that's probably true. Well, how old are you? I'm 36 now. Oh, how am old I, do you think I am? This is great. Uh, Probably just a year up or down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go, been, let's go with that. I'll let's be, go. I'm 33. I'll be 34 this year. Oh, okay. 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 Well, that's not bad. Close enough. Close. That's go- well, I'm only two years... Mac, two, three years off. I think, though, in terms of Saddle Creek, though, that's a big difference. Mm. So, like, Connor, as a 16-year-old, singing to a 16-year-old is different than a 16-year-old oh. singing to an 18-year-old. That's a really good point. That, and, that's why I didn't get... That's why Tim... Tim's older. That's why Tim... Yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. I, That's why I appealed to me yeah. more. So, the... I love the the concept of okay, Saddle Creek, cool. Are you cursive or bright eyes? Yeah, that's what we said and, at the bar. And, and you just <laughs> you, you, big grins happen. There's like a, a long ellipses, and you're like, "Fuck, what, how am I gonna am I gonna like put myself in this like corner?" Yeah. Uh, so bright. I mean, Connor. To me, I was like, "There's no way this kid is as articulate to all of my issues." Yeah. And, and I grew up in Dallas, so to hear someone complain about the Midwest. Uh, to me, I looked at Dallas as like Midwest South. Yeah, you know? sure, sure. Texans want their identity, but Dallas was, it's Midwest, yeah. right? So I, I love that. I love having a voice. And there was this, there was this great radio show in Dallas. Um, it was called The Adventure Club that played, oh man, I think it was on Saturdays. It was three hours. What, 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 do you remember the station? Uh, the Edge. At the, the Edge, yeah. yeah. All right, Edge Fest. We all know Edge Fest, right? Is that it? I don't know. Yeah, that was a thing, I think. That's what my wife tells me. She's huh? up in Fort Worth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, yeah, so there's yeah, Edge Fest could have been. <laughs> I mean, I, I knew of Edge Fest, but I'm, right I just, my, my mind is so wide right now. I don't know. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I, Adventure Club was so critical because uh, the, guy, the guy was called Josh, and he would play three hours of music that had no, uh, there like, was non sequiturs. Like totally not, not a common thread. Not not only not as common thread, but it could be like uh, the raincoats. It could be the jam. It could oh, be wow. Saddle no Creek. Yeah, there was yeah. anything that was just like, oh, this is not being played. You should probably hear it. Uh, and I don't remember. There was never ever a time. Uh, it, I was I was thinking about like imagining like your grandparents huddled over a radio. Yeah, because that yeah, was yeah, like yeah. the only gateway the to fire the world. Talks. Yeah, the, or the, the yeah. I get I get what you're saying. Right. So now we're in a modern society. We're driving around. We can choose all these things. We have these things called compact discs and all these things. We we could have the whole world at our fingertips. Yeah. And yet I'm huddled over this radio. But that's so amazing. It was so great. It was a great program. So much so that there were kids that were in this. Um, this, I guess it was Adventure Club. I don't know the the club of yeah. Adventure Club. They would record these, and this is a time where you weren't recording CDs. That was cool if you had like a, a CDR <laughs> or yeah. whatever. Oh yeah. And they would send it out, and they had these like really awful labels of the logo. Yeah. And you could get that week, and you could re-listen That's to it. That's so cool. Like advertisement and all. It was the most low rent. I still have these. I Do you still, really? Absolutely. I Is this have, the Encyclopedia Botanic of your musical upbringing? It might be. It might be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my first, my first CDs. So my dad, 
my dad's an interesting case. So like I, my, my parents split when I was two. Yeah. I grew up with my mom, but I was never out of contact with my dad and, and both, both sets of grandparents were together. So I it was like this, we, I mean, broken homes. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. We no, can, I mean, we, you get all that. Yeah. We, all, we, we both do. Yeah. yeah. We, we can, we can realize I had a weird broken home though. And that like my both sets of grandparents grew up six minutes apart. Really? They, yeah. Very Texan. Yeah. Um, and all, Whatever. So we were all Wait, in Dallas proper, like outside more kind of rural? Uh, Richardson and Garland. Okay, there you go. All right. Yeah. Uh, So they grew up. My dad, though, I had a great relationship with all of his brothers. They were younger. And my dad would come back in town and play the piano at his parents. My dad could play by ear. Really? Yeah. So he had some music talent. Absolutely. My my mom and dad met in marching band Uh, in high school. When you played for drumline, too. So I see some patterns here. Oh, yeah. I did not meet my future... Ex-wife, but though. you did meet someone that knew propaganda. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That's not so bad. Anyway, so the, yeah. your dad's very talented playing piano. Great. So, and I feel like so if your dad can play by ear, but you don't grow up with him, so you get to see his talents every once in a while. Yeah. But it's not like a direct lineage. There's no. So I was forced to take piano lessons. I hated every minute of it. Yeah. Uh, but I love music, and so I got this like this this fantastic great training. Um, Having that kind of in your life as this threshold is like, oh, maybe I should make music. <laughs> Knowing that that's like what it could be. Yeah, it and could be. Like, yeah. I don't know if I've got that. No, I don't. I definitely don't. Uh, maybe I look like my dad, but I don't have the play by ear thing. Did he ever like play in bands and play out and stuff? No, no, no. He, yeah, just that, just that I, natural it, talent. Kind natural of talent. Never really did anything. I mean, I oh, to say he didn't do anything with it. I mean, no, he right. led church groups and all that stuff sure. that was more interesting to him. But when when your father plays by ear and compact disc come of age and he's really technolo- technologically savvy, he wants to give you a f- the, the first CD. Yeah. So my first CD was actually two CDs. <clears throat> so he made. So your dad made. Is this right? Your dad made you two CDs. No. No, he purchased them. Okay. 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 Um, my first two CDs. Pat Boone. I was kidding. <laughs> Enya. Ooh. Ah. Wait. No. That's uh, come sail away, right? Enya. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking and- Enigma. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, that was that would come later. <laughs> I would buy that on my own. <laughs> uh, the next one was Yanni. Ooh, Live at the Acropolis? No, no, no. Uh, pre Live at the Acropolis. This was just like a standard studio, studio record. Release. <laughs> yeah. Yanni studio record. But you can imagine, like, so I'm I'm in this household, of, <laughs> like, I don't want to say strict like religious upbringing, but it was pretty clear you didn't listen to anything other than contemporary Christian yeah. or, oddly enough, country music. Weird. That's just about. That's like pretty seedy, though. But it's a little less. Yeah, <laughs> a little more seedy than. But punk as rock a kid, like the way you hear country music. Uh, so uh, I grew up in my grandparents' house. Yeah. And the the bathroom that I used was across the hall from my bedroom. Okay. And they, it was one of those light switches that was connected to the radio. Okay. So every time you turn the light switch, the radio yeah. would come on. It was always on the country music station. But as a kid, like when you're when you're hearing things, you're hearing patterns. You don't really know the words. You don't know meaning. So it's just how you learn, you know, LMNOP, it sounds like LMNOP, not yeah. LM, right? Right, right, so right. I find out years later that I know all of these country songs by heart. Really? But I have no idea. I didn't know the meaning of the words. You're just kind of like, oh, it's You a hear thing. them, right? Yeah. So you're taking baths as a six or seven or eight-year-old. You know, you're, anytime <laughs> you're in the bathroom, you're throwing water around. Like, all of this is, like, seeping in. Yeah. So I know all these songs. They're, they're a part of my being, but I just don't know. Interesting. Yeah, you don't get it. Well, did, you, did you ever crack the Yanni CD open? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh I, I oh yeah! That was How old were the, you when you got the Yanni CD? Said, roughly, roughly. Yeah, when did CDs come out? Oh, 89, 90? Yeah, ninety. So I was 
Seven? Eight? Seven, yeah. Okay, so that's pretty good. I didn't get you, man. I didn't get my first CD until I was probably 11. Eric clapped and unplugged because I was too afraid to buy Nevermind because my mom might not like it. <laughs> <laughs> I had Nevermind like on, on, on tape. Oh, even better. Eric clapped and unplugged. That's a great record that's a great now. Record. <laughs> it's pretty timely. Look like when we started with Saddle Creek and we got to Eric clapped and unplugged. <laughs> mm. I was like, my, your dad and my mom would get along. She loves Yanni. <laughs> she, but she's not. She's like, she's a little more edgy than that. But for some reason, she just had this thing for freaking Yanni, man. Oh, that reverb, though. Yeah. I don't know what it, it was. It makes you feel like you're in Greece. I think it was that mustache. Yeah. That's a very robust it's mustache. It's an intense mullet, really. Well, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And then Linda Evans is why, like, going back to 80s soap opera. Like, soap opera. Anyway, yeah. So this is showing my age a little bit, which is. Okay by me. I'll let you go. Go for it. So, (laughs) all right. So we got the. the, uh, Let's just let's just call it as you got a broken home. You're staying with your grandparents. Why was your mom busy? Did she move or no? My mom was with my grandparents. Oh, cool. So you guys are all. So when they when they split, she uh, she there was like an addition onto the grandparents. I just grew up in that house. So when I was 12, she got her own place and we moved out. I went to the the megalopolis that is Richardson, Texas. (laughs) Uh, I grew up in, in a great school system, which would just fuel my. My Hatred? anger, absolutely. Like that's you know <laughs> nothing, <angst>. nothing like <laughs> uh, a really great academic decathlon program to make sure that I was listening to Rage Against the Machine and <laughs> Propaganda. Uh, yeah, but that's good. Oh, that's great. what modern education should do. Absolutely, It'd encourage you to think and do these other things. All right, so we're gonna bring it back about the music thing okay. real quick because I want what you. It's Connor for you, Tim for me. Is that fair? It is fair. Yeah. Although I mean, I think we'd overlap on the good life. Yes. Um, and that's that, a good point. That that breakup, uh, what is it? Album of the year. Album of the year, yeah, yeah. So concept records to me was a little bit masturbatory. It seemed like, all right, really, do you need to prove? I mean, this would go on. Like uh, to be fair, what is it? Twenty eleven when fucked up puts out their um, brilliant concept album. Yeah, like the ma- like two lots of songs, lots right? of songs, yeah, yeah. and it was all whatever. I, yeah. And I'm sure. Uh, some of your listeners who are quite familiar with music that love some sort of, you know, from start to finish records are like, oh, we groan. It's a really great, whatever. So yeah. for, it was my first time. Everybody's was, got the breakup record. Let's put it that yeah, way. They totally yeah, yeah. do. They totally do. And that first song, Album of the Year, uh, was a, the first time that I felt things like adult feelings. So I was like, oh, man, this is this is really interesting. Like, it shows different perspectives. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it shows from the woman's side. And, you know, all of these yeah, things yeah. that... Connor was just like self-loathing and sure it is really it's a unilateral like yeah. it's just like this one kind of face of Connor and it's changed as he's growing and right sure other types of songs but Tim I mean I, I gave it to him man he he's cap- he captures the feminine view and the masculine view all of it like kind of dis- dis- dissolving you know yeah I I mean yeah very well and then uh, at the end of that record there's a there's a few tracks uh, of the Good Life record, there yeah. was a few tracks like "Lovers Need Lawyers." And oh yeah, there's one. There was like a um, seven to eight minute track where it was part of it was the woman just like ripping into him about her point of view. I was like, "This oh, is my. really edgy." <laughs> like I'm looking around, I'm listening to it by myself. I know I'm by myself. Someone gonna around, hear me listening? Someone to this? hear this? <laughs> this is so good. Someone needs to hear. You know? Yeah. So the, I think it's not as clear cut, obviously, as Connor versus Tim. But to be fair. Cursive came to me much later. Like yeah. Ceilings Crack was a is, is an exceptional track that yeah. resonated with me, but I would listen to the rest of that album and I was like, mm, it's no, not it's good not, of an album. It didn't like feel it, yeah. Art I mean, is it's hard. Good. Art how'd you feel about the, uh, what is Ugly that? Organ? Ye Ugly Organ, yeah. yeah. 
that came out and I was again I was looking around I was like is everybody hearing this this is so good <laughs> right and at that time though that my uh, my music uh, spectrum was much wider so yeah. there was it was like you know uh, Blood Brothers yeah. with Burn Piano Out and Burn I was like oh my god you're gonna have so many references to these great musical yeah. instruments Art is Hard oh my god oh, just to have one that one of the greatest songs in to, to, but to dissect the art, to, art, the art process, the process of art, yes, and like how contrived it becomes, and how t- like I mean, we're gonna go into this for just a second, but like how Tim feels like he has to serve himself up on a cross just to get the point across and to get people interested in the band. Like imagine this, like Tim, he's being crucified, like not literally, but he's being creatively crucified every record, and that song describes this aspect of being an artist and a songwriter that no one has ever talked about in that way. It, it was you know certainly I mean? not like, in a compelling way. It, right, right. Yeah, I mean, there's people who've gone on a diatribe. It's like, it, to me, I equate it to the people that, like, they'll do a couple of tracks and then, like, preach. Yes. Like, uh, between, like, eight minutes to right. the crowd. They're like, well, I don't know that you had this point of view, just yeah, seeing yeah. your hits kind of thing. Whereas I think he captivated it where uh, if you're listening to the beat, you're, you're, you're just moved along. And then you start listening to the lyrics. You're like, oh, man, to tie it back to propaganda, yeah. it was like that self-aware song where, yeah, like, yeah. If this is just for you and you're like this, this song was written for you to like, you know, raise your fist at. And mm. uh, but actually, I had this really interesting experience where, uh, you know, I had a homosexual experience uh, and uh, I had gay tendencies. And how do you feel about me now, Mister Strongman? With your, it, it was very, it was a way that it flipped it in. in when I say flipped, I don't mean just no, like... No, no, I know what you mean, but it's like you think you're getting something, but then it goes deeper than that. It goes way deeper. Way it's, deeper. It's like surface of like, this is enjoyable, but then right. it puts a microscope on something and you're like, oh God, I didn't think about that. And to me, actually, the, what I thought was really brilliant is that Cursive at that time when that album came out, uh-huh. it's, it was like maybe a hot topic record. Right. It's not a top 40 record. No so way. for him to be so gutting and... and, and, and and like basically putting viscera on the table about how hard it is to be art, it was like enough of a platform to be heard, yeah, but not enough to like to oh. like cast a, cast some light on himself because uh, he doesn't want it's just like matter of fact, yeah, right. That's the best part about Tim. And it's like I go and I, I've been thinking about these lyrics as we as we kind of talk, you know, it's like you got to you got to learn to sink or swim, like all these different things that he says that are just so perfect about being an artist. And he's like, you know, and, and at the because coming out of Domestica. Right, which that record, when you talk about what, what, what is essentially the result of two people beating the shit, what it feels like. Yeah. yeah two yeah. people beating the shit out of each other that once loved each other and then driven to divorce through all of this like incredible violence, not literally violence, but like this emotional violence and this vigorous exchange of hatred and love. And hate. God damn, man, that's, that's rough. Like there's no, and it's not because I'm old, but there's not a lot of records that make me feel that way. Well, how do you, you know? I, I think the one thing that should be said is like, how do you translate that into something that is uh, digestible? Right. Like, not only do you, you, he experiences it, he writes it, he puts it out there. Yeah. But then it's put into a format where you can, you can literally hand that to someone and say, like, here, take this in as much as you want. Yeah. This is, this exists in the world, and you take that on. I, I, yeah. No, it's 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 profound to me yeah. because it's not profound, right? Yeah. It's just the it's, dude doing a thing. Yeah. And so I gotta ask you this then, because oh, okay. this is a personal, personal one for me, really influential one. Did you ever listen to Page of the Line? Oh no! Okay. I mean, yes, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. They were around. I listened yeah. to them, but I was never. It's a couple years ahead, like probably exactly three to four years before. But that's the same concept that Mr. Bazan, Dave Bazan, can say things in such a matter of fact 
kind of stern way, but not really angry, but just matter of fact, like, well, life's fucked, man. Yeah. It's cool. It will all get along. And he's an ex-Christian guy too, coming from a family and like having this crazy yeah. perspective. And I, I just, I, I love that. And that's one to check out. And I, I want to, I'll send that record to you. No, please do. Yeah. Because yeah, so, that one like changed it for well, me. Well, now is that a, is that a time and place thing? Because this is the other thing we, we would like to talk about <laughs> is like when you get to, Something at the right time, you know. Mm. I read Confederacy of Being a Wall, or no, Confessions. Oh, uh, uh, Confessions of a Confessions Wallflower. of yeah. Wallflower. I read that at the perfect time. Yeah, I, I was given that at thirteen or fourteen. I did not sleep that night. I read it all the way through. And yeah. It was mind blowing, right? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. give that to someone. I went and saw the movie. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, uh, but it came out so much later, right? Like, yeah, the movie way yeah. later, and yeah. I'm way older. So I'm wondering, do you think that it will still? No. This is so you're. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And I actually caught it at a time in which I was happy. I was fine. I didn't. It, it didn't help, essentially, like drive me further or enable me further to feel down or up or any of that. Okay. It actually means more to me now than it wow. ever did. All right. Yeah, because of the lyric. Like, I've been the divorced once, and I've new, newly remarried, and I have kind of like this new lease on love and all these kinds of things, but in a good way, in a very honest way. And some of the kind of just hard punches to the gut that he delivers on that record about what relationships are really like, what infidelity is really like. Mm. It is gritty, but beautiful. It's mm. off, You often don't get, the bo- get both of those things, right? You get one or the oh. other. So and, that sounds to me that it's more relatable than like, oh, well, that's not me. So it draws you in and you're yeah. like, oh, man, yeah. There's something for everybody on okay. that record. It is, it's very much a concept record, but it doesn't sound like it, you know. Go back, but that's one I'm gonna follow up. I gotta get you that because yeah. it's because I, I I just have a feeling you'd be like, all right, I get it, I yeah. get it, you know. All right, all right, so all right, we got the we get the music. We, I assume it's gonna be a common thread. We're gonna keep talking. Oh, so yeah. before we talk about how you transition and what you did out of high school, because you're doing music and drumline, you're saying right. No. Um, let's try one of these scotches. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I'm a the, lucky fucker over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, I think it's it, it should be said that. Uh, I was straight edge through high school. I was a straight really edge. yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, uh, integrity, Earth Crisis kind of guy, Victory Records kind of guy. Because no, that's <laughs> not like no. The music's would, not as good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's that. I mean, no. I I met. I was actually lucky to meet some kids that came from upstate New York, from Rochester. And they're like, oh man, the kids, the straight edge kids in Syracuse. Yeah, you don't want to mess with them. I was oh like, my gosh. Okay. Poison Well first album though. Oh, yeah. oh, of December. Sorry. No, anyway. no, no, no. Flipping that real quick though. Do you have you heard of the movie The Green Room? No. Okay. So another thing to table. <laughs> I saw I it last so much night across the street. No, this just came out last week. Oh, okay. Patrick Stewart as a neo-Nazi guy. No. But now. No. Yeah. Oh, talk about hardcore. This is gonna. Uh, we'll talk about it, but you'll you'll love it and you'll be repulsed by it. It's oh. a beautiful movie, but very, 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 very intense. Okay. Much like many scotches, which are very beautiful, but very, 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 very intense. intense. Yeah. So we've got, you said it was a 14 and 17. Did I get the yeah, numbers this, right? this was uh, a little bit of low-hanging fruit. I, and I, I <laughs> okay. chose two that are, uh, one's incredibly approachable, um, and one is very decadent. Okay. Um, so so as we see into the next step of your life, let's sip the Belvini. Yeah. 14. Let's do the 14 because it's the Caribbean cast. So oh, good, good. The idea is basically the nose should be very approachable. Um, I, and I got, I got. We, a, could, we could talk so much. So this is very meta for me because okay. I'm, I'm obviously not a funny talker, right? I come, yeah. I'm actually from Texas. Yeah. Um, being a Scotch person is probably not 
uh, obvious, uh, and I came through it a very circuitous way. Uh, and this to, this would speak to me as my you know bourbon uh, it's rye Muslim. drinking. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, very, it's very Western. And that, well, even though Europe's Western, but this is very America, American. It's very American. Yeah, yeah. This, it, it doesn't. It's not supposed to be one of those things like coffee, where the first time you tra- you taste it, you're like, "How have people have been drinking this for hundreds of years?" Yeah. But you see your parents doing, you're like, "Oh, I want to be a part of that club." Yeah. Um, Scottish people were very happy to not be a part of that club. They're like, right. "Oh, this is it's polarizing." No. Yeah, go yeah. away. Um, so this is completely designed uh, on the bouquet to draw you in, especially mm. the folks that had mistakes. Right? Mm-hmm. They they had their mistake in high school. Or, or college, they had too much, or they they stole from their parents' cabinet. Uh, <laughs> and this is to be like, all right, you you couldn't get past the smell. Well, enjoy. You take that Thank you so much for oh, sharing. Cheers. This is happenstance that you were here, and we get to talk about all this stuff and drink scotch, which is faithful. Yeah, it, it oh, absolutely yeah. is. And I also think it's very ironic that we're drinking scotch after talking about you being a recovering straight edge kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I was I was a very convincing straight edge kid, and that I wanted to bring. I wanted to, oh man, I always, I enjoyed the hard, the the less obvious path because yeah. I feel like if it was less obvious or you were sad, then you were interesting or you were smart, right? Oh yeah, the yeah. artist lifestyle. Oh yeah. Right? You gotta suffer or else what's it worth? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. these kids, I'm like, oh, we're in Texas. You're supposed to care about football. Well, I love hockey. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Contrarian like, for the sake of it, being contrarian. Yeah. Right? yeah, it's like, it's still a sport. It's still like <laughs> it's gruff. Yeah. But you're like, oh, you're being so weird. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. For, for my friends, I was like, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't use any sort of curse words. You should be very respectful to your elders. Yeah. Like, actually, things that... Those are great. Those They're are great. great. It's still applicable. Always. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the Texan, if you pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you are accountable, yeah. you are killing it. You're yeah. doing really well That's in life. Great which I would learn later by moving to New York City. I was like the most charming person everyone met. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I just grew up in, in the right place. <laughs> Women are throwing themselves at me. Yeah, yeah, this what is, is this? This is so weird. <laughs> you realize I'm chubby and balding, right? Oh, no, okay, I'm charming. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> it's the beard, isn't it's, it? It's just the beard, yeah. <laughs> by the way, I'm very proud to have had this beard since t- 2004. That's good. That's ahead of the curve. It's way ahead of the way curve. Way ahead of the curve. It's just realization of a soft chin. Yeah. Oh, that. Oh, oh I see. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is even before Bonavere. This is the pre Bonavere oh, beard. Are we going to go down the Justin? No, I don't first? really. I don't oh, want to do Justin it. Vernon, though, <laughs> if you hear this, I love you. <laughs> no, no. All right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's way before the beard trend, but it's just because it's all. Vain. So so talk about this whiskey, or rather the scotch. What's more, what's the proof on this? Is very very simple, very very approachable. Talk yeah. about it. Pop. It's very uh, pop in the sense, but very rich pop, right? Like in, in the sense that you can get it. It doesn't. Yeah. Send you going the other way with too much peat or too much no, grain. Oh know? yeah. There's. I mean, it's funny to go from music to to this. Like so. It's it's very I, parallel. I well, I love music, but I mean, I will nerd out all day long about the things that I love about whiskey and how I got here. Mm. Um, in this whiskey in particular, it's, it's a, for the nerds out there, it's aged 14 years in American oak, and it's called mm. Caribbean cask because it's finished in a rum cask. But the finish is only nine months. Mm. But what's fun for us uh, at the Balvenie is it's going from 14 years in American oak and finished in American oak. And that is just not really what we do. We play yeah. a lot with uh, a, a lot of American oak influence, so... You know, whatever it be, 12, 14, 17, 21 years, however long it is, that's American oak influence because we're honey and vanilla. We're a very light spirit with a very rich, um, it's, it's an approachable spirit, but it's very, very rich and, yeah. and like oily. And a lot of that comes from the American oak. So we then 
will finish in some sort of European cask, whether it be Spanish oak or mm. Portuguese oak with the port cask. Um, the double wood's finished in, in sherry. It, 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 it's it's love. Well, so here's the thing I'm getting. I really like. Now I, I'm a I'm a whiskey guy, a mezcal guy. Now I make gin, but I really at the house I'm a mezcal. You know, I've loved that and love the production. Blah blah. blah. Try to learn as much as I could about. It. But I'm getting this thing that I love at the end, and it it actually feels like lactic acid and kind of milky and vanilla to mm. me. Like, but in a really really good way. So not only does the grain not really expose itself all that much, it's like so nicely balanced across all this stuff. We get the creaminess and then American oak, the punch of that. Very little char though. I don't get a lot of char flavor on it, you know? Probably, but it's yeah. it's so round and so fucking unctuous. It is, I mean? yeah, well, that also could be like how hungry you are. I'm not too hungry. I okay. think you're hungry. So, I am very hungry, yeah. No, the unctuousness, so that's an interesting thing because I'll have people taste this at the beginning of the day versus yeah. the end of the day. And at the end of the day, they're like, wow, this is like bananas foster or pie or oh, all these things that you're describing. Yeah. And then at the beginning of the day, it's like, wow, did I have coffee? Like, <laughs> it seems a little bit more streamlined. Yeah. And there, I think that's some of the brilliance of American oak is that uh, when it's something that's oily yeah. or, or not going to really uh, engage your the side of your tongue with the tannins, yeah, yeah. it's going to go straight back. The only resistance to it being oily versus going straight back yeah. is kind of what's going on in your mouth. Yeah. Um, so if this is where it, I mean, I, uh, how do I say this <laughs> legally? I drink a lot of this, right? Yes. And we drink a lot of, uh, during the day. And this, to me particularly, I don't know if it's the amount of time that it's set out, but while we were talking, yeah. um, but when I sip this, it is incredibly round. It's incredibly enveloping. Yeah. Um, uh, and I'm very big on creating success for when someone's trying it for the first time. I'm like, oh, do you get the marzipan? No, the, fuck that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but. But if, but if I could say something like, actually, the mouthfeel is that you get a little spice to the tip of your tongue and it goes straight back. Like, yeah. oh, I get that. Yeah. Like, yeah, everybody gets that. You want pie, buddy? <laughs> yeah, we got this. And right now, it's just incredible. It's, it's so good right the, now. The, uh, we're drinking out of rocks glasses, too. And that's it's not always the most favorable uh, you know, handshake into giving you a bouquet. And mm. you can put your nose mm-hmm. in there and get mm. everything that you want out of this whiskey. The, the mouthfeel is amazing. That's a really good choice. Whoever decided to be a fourteen-year-old. I wonder really, who uh, who did this flight here. It's, it's really good. So then I got to ask: you yeah. know, you're in Dallas. You're into music a lot. You're not identifying with booze or cigarettes or these other things that straight edge people uh, kind of identify with. You, what do you? What's your path? You're saying like, well, I imagine you're college bound at some point. Is that what was in the cards for you? Or Absolutely. You yeah. Parents were like, I don't care what you do. That's you're going not. to. You're going to. So, but as the, as the punk minded kid, this was my, geez, I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So this is my line of thinking. SATs and ACTs are fixed. If you're going to school in Richardson, then you can afford to take all these, you know, you can get these classes to pass the, so I refused to take the SAT or the ACT. Wow. So I had to do some research and what was this? What what, uh, kind of research are we talking? How to get into four-year schools without now taking these? <laughs> yeah, and the way You're like the, I don't like that option. I don't. I don't. I don't think I'm attractive enough for that one. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we all do this. It was. It was pros and cons. So the way the, the what I understood is that if you could go to a two-year school mm-hmm. and do two years, then you could transfer into any school you wanted. Right. Well, this also served my <laughs> needs because although I was a fantastic C student on the academic decathlon I team, I like that. I was I was K 
captain in my senior year. Okay, good, good. But to call it senior is also very generous because I would have to repeat the year if I was being honest. <laughs> I did not have enough credits to graduate. So I decided to, with my class, move into college as you would, uh, but I didn't have a high school degree. Oh, and interesting. Where I was, you could do a dual, you could go to college classes and get credit Got it. for high school. Oh, right, okay. Did they call it AP there too? That's what I, they called oh, it in Houston or Katie is, when I oh, yeah. yeah. So oh Katie. Yeah, I'm from Katie. Oh man. Now we, all over, but yeah. We Katie. competed against Katie hard and Yeah, we sucked at stuff. No. We're good at football. Act deck. Katie. We were good at Act Deck. Strong representation. Really? Yes. I wonder if I knew some of the Well, no, because I'm just a tan and older. And I only took uh, only served two years in Katie. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we do our time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to go to two different uh, Richardson high schools. I mm. started at Richardson uh, and I was going to have to repeat a lot of the same grades. So my mother like did all these appeals for me to go to a different high school, <laughs> so I wouldn't see. Because I was that kid. I was in all AP classes, mm-hmm. um, but I would like prove to them that I didn't have to do the homework and I could ace their tests. And they're like, well, you understand, like sixty percent of your grade is homework. And I was like, well, I'm smarter than that. I don't give wanna... me the test. Yeah, give me the <laughs> test. And I aced their test. Like, wow, you're really obnoxious. And to <laughs> me, I never learned how to do work. It was probably the worst thing in my life. I never had. I never learned how I to like. I never learned how to do work. That ever is the best quote I've had of anybody I've ever talked to on the show. It's like, you know, I just never learned how. It's, I mean, yeah, they give me. It's, it, and I'm doing this. It's like, God damn it! What is he up to? Oh, they they hated it because they would come up like, you have zeros. I was like, yeah, but I know all of this. I don't have to do the homework. Why are you in detention all the time? Oh, I was the worst. I was the worst kid. And I'm seeing this now. Uh, I'm I'm trying to revisit some link. Uh, language courses so yeah. i'm taking duolingo oh, okay. okay right the app yeah uh and i just know how to take tests so i'm like acing i am 10 percent fluent in french but i swear <laughs> to you right now if people said two sentences to me i'm like oh, i have no idea what you said you want a test minute though we'll see where yeah, we get I, I'm, I'm, I can kill it when i look at so i don't know what happened in my brain that i get all that anyway but that's so good i would take all these ap classes and i was a kid that would refuse to take the test at the end i was like oh no i don't need that I'm going to take all of the college classes. I was the weirdest kid. <laughs> well, so did you move forward? Did you end up like oh, doing yeah, a community yeah. college? Yeah, thing? I went to, I went, I was a mighty thunder duck. I went okay. to Richland Community College. Very good. Um, little shout out to the Dallas Community College system um, and all the thunder ducks <laughs> That's out also there. a first on the show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, thunder duck, that is a hell oh, of a mess. Oh, that's a great mess. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I don't even know what that is. I just think it's like maybe they Emilio Estevez either. on steroids as a mighty duck. I don't even really know. It looks kind of like Daffy with a bigger shirt and a oh, bigger belly. Okay. That's, that's pretty much like everybody in Dallas. Yeah. Or Richardson in this case. <clears throat> yeah. No offense. Actually, yeah, offense. Yeah. She's <laughs> <laughs> just layering on. So I did my two years there, and I would get, uh, because most of that was more test-driven, yeah. I was on the dean's list. I was Phi Beta Kappa, whatever it is. Like, yeah. you score high enough, you get on the dean's list. And my mom was, you know, tearing up. She was so proud. I was like, what? <laughs> She's I like, I didn't know when this boat was going to turn around, but we're on track yeah, now. We're <laughs> so on track. And I applied to two schools. I applied to a school in New York, and I applied to a school in uh, uh, <laughs> Western Massachusetts. Uh, the one in Western Massachusetts, no tests, no grades, as you can imagine. Oh, man. Hampshire College. Oh, oh you got to love that. It was great. Uh, I got into both, uh, and, and I left. That was my journey. I got out of... I, Got out. I, yeah, I left. I left my house at seventeen. I got a house with a bunch of high schoolers. I, I took them to work. Uh, <laughs> you were the elder. I was the elder. At I was. 17? I was the, also the only one that had a job. Uh, so I did that, and then finished Richland, and I left. I was. I was out of. I was out of Dallas by nineteen or twenty. That's well. It's not bad though. Yeah. It's not a bad trek. No. So, 
when's New York pop up on this thing? Uh, so I get I basically get kicked out of Hampshire because uh, what 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 hat? <laughs> just tell Jonathan. Just tell me how you got kicked out. <laughs> I didn't. I, this sounds like a sob story, but basically, like I, I my I didn't make enough money. Like I didn't show enough money on the old. Oh yeah, interesting. Okay, yeah. that's so, a little bit different. Yeah, it's a different way. It was not an academic kick. Did you sort of like, fight or anything? Like a fifth, you didn't start a fist fight or it anything. Was, it was a hard. It, so uh, I did one semester, and in the middle of the second semester is October. So it's the fall semester. I started in. Fe- I was a Feb. You start in February. You do yeah. one semester. It was fantastic. I found like my place on earth. No yeah, tests, yeah. no grades. All it was was like as much as you want to learn about something. Um, you did not have a major. You basically wrote a paragraph of what you wanted to learn in that time. Yeah. Uh, and by your your last year, you were doing graduate level courses, and you were going to be. I mean, just imagine how wide my eyes are, right? As a Texas kid moving to rural Massachusetts, <laughs> uh, and just with all of these, all these crazy kids, lots of dreadlocks in my life, lots of like Trustafarians, of- like a, 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 amazing little array. <laughs> oh man, Warp Tour. No, it, was, it was Warp Tour. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they would do like the Easter keg hunt, where in the <laughs> in the woods nearby they would hide these kegs. I'd, uh, if anyone's listening, this is probably less than legal. <laughs> they did not do this. <laughs> anyway, so I, they kicked me out. So whatever. So in uh, fast forward, I, you do uh, September and October. They did an audit, and basically, this is way too much information, but uh, you have a certain amount of. Uh, you can get loans. You can pay up front. You right, can do a right, number right. of things to pay for college. Sure, they want and, to entrap you <laughs> financially <laughs> for for the rest of your life. Uh, and so I have all the boxes checked, meaning that I'm getting funds from all of these places. But when they do the audit, they realize there's not enough coming from each of those. Oh. And so, like, oh, so you need to take out a loan for a lot of money. I see. And so I make a plea to my family, and they're like, "You're already the weird. You're the black sheep of the family. You're the weird kid. Do we want to, We don't want to enable you. Yeah, not at all. They're like, I would not be a good parent if I signed you into this much yeah. debt. And I was like, oh, no. So I basically I, I got in my car. I came back to Texas, and I wrote to the the other school in New York that I mm. I got into, and I was just like, hey. You accepted me last year. Does this still stand? Yeah. I did a slam poetry. Inter- oh, wait! What? Yeah, you, you, this, this guy, is the straight edge guy, because you're not drinking yet, right? No, no. So no. there's no reason for you to get on a stage and do slam poetry. <laughs> that was that was the entry. Uh, that was essay or what? Yeah, that was one of the entry. That was like my character. Slam poetry. Yeah, and this I is wish not you guys 1992, could see his right? right now. <laughs> no, no, this was like the height. Everything. I mean, AS220 in Rhode Island is. Popping off. What the yeah. fuck? Oh, it was great. It was this is great. insane. Uh, what was that place in the Lower East Side? Avenue C. I definitely waited in those cold, rainy lines to go see those kids. Yeah, so that was like the hot thing to do. I did it. I got in. They let me come in. Uh, so I was only a year off schedule. I go to New York and then fall in love with the city. Yeah. I actually break up with my high school sweetheart within a You've few been months. You've been with her the whole time? The whole time. Did she travel... Massachusetts with you? No, she went to New York, so you, oh, which was okay. why the other we went to the oh, same school. We okay. applied to the same school. Got there three months. We broke up and basically lost all of my friends because they were all friends with her. Man, love the school. I had a great time at the school. Got a degree, which is all that I cared about at that point. 
What was the degree in? I, I'm at a fucking loss. <laughs> I have no idea. So, slam po you know, that's not a degree, or is it? Maybe. No, it was a. You're it was reluctant to a, tell me what I this am <laughs> because it's so fun. It was a Bachelor of Arts degree. Good. In okay. Social and historical inquiry. It's just, oh man. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't your typical. I, I will tell you this. Uh, it was set up in a similar format where you were encouraged to take graduate level classes and at the end do a thesis level project. Okay. Sure. Of which I wrote about <clears throat> the Alamo <laughs> and the Texas State Fair. <laughs> so where the hell are the pies? This exists. You had, how long was this thing? It was, it was long enough to pass. <laughs> <laughs> this whiskey though Ooh, 14 years man, in america that's, that's pretty good <laughs> this thing is really really delectable mm. Mm. so a quick i love this major. <laughs> this is probably the best major i've ever heard yeah social and in historical inquiry yeah because yeah, so, that just means stuff yeah it was stuff <laughs> and and to be completely honest you're, you're taking two years out of community college another year out of this school that does not have tests or grades yeah so yeah. to transfer from that school you get a pair of like well did he if if you're like, the one did he yeah, pass like, what he, is this guy is this like a 3.7 or is this a 4.0 yeah like, it was brutal so at that point i was just like what do i have the most in what are you going to give it to me yeah and, and i'll Oh, that looks like that. Great, I'll do that. Was it psychology? Fine, I'll graduate. I got you. I right. Got you. So, social and <laughs> janitorial services. Yeah, yeah it looks like uh, John. That's about I'm all. You close. <laughs> I'll do it. Nailed it. Oh, you, I'm not you, above it. Yeah, I'm not above it. No, I mean, Goodwill Hunting. Mm. I like apples. Uh, me too. How about those? Uh, you see those? How about those? Those the, apples look pretty good. Them apples are. Good. <laughs> so you're in New York, though, and you said you're falling in love with the city. Love the city. But, I love the anonymity. I love the fact that. I'm a t charms that we take for granted. Yeah. Charms. Let me rewind. The things that we take for granted as Texans are just like common decency, how you would treat a normal person. Yeah. Um, in Paris, they would laugh at you because you're smiling all the time. You just right. look what are you, lost. Stupid? And yeah, right. stupid. You look stupid. Yeah. And New York, it's charming and it's great. And if you mix, if you mix that charm and looking out for one another with, the th the street smarts of get out of the way yeah. and be attentive then you're you're, good. you're great yeah. and you have a great network set up um so i i was oh man i was enthralled um so, and this is po post breakup which i imagine sends you into the city even deeper right yeah 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 post breakup like everything my, just like you're open to everything it's all new it's absolutely. all big it's all yeah. like Glo this, international all what that. is this subway thing that you pay two dollars for and can go <laughs> anywhere i love it yeah yeah um so the first thing that i learned to do was how to get lost especially on the subway right because ah, things good. get it's all it's shut all, down yeah, yeah, yeah. you pop out you're like where Okay, where am I? Like, Bron what's the Bronx? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I have a great story for <laughs> that. the Bronx. Yeah. Oh, I felt, yeah. So I used to live in Brooklyn yeah. at the end of one four line, and I woke up at the end of the four line in the Bronx. Oh, shit. Well, I had the six line in the Bronx, yeah. Whew. Is it as uh, seedy or uh, gritty, as they say? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm like a big dude, and so people are... <laughs> they're like wow you look really sad and you're big i'm just gonna say you should probably wake up and get on the other train <laughs> it's great i didn't get messed with uh, yeah. at all oh that's good no no that's never. a great story yeah i think that would be a different story for me perhaps maybe i don't know i don't know i don't people don't like to uh, well i don't know that they don't like to but i 
haven't had a lot of people starting fights with me. No, no. Well, I'm yeah. just in general, but I, I mean, I'm not trying to engage in fights. No, exactly, and you I know? don't think I can handle myself in a fight. I yeah. mean, I have these weird dreams, like your dreams and nightmares of like my worst nightmare is like where you feel like you can't move. Oh, the paralysis, sleep paralysis. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. hate it, and so I imagine myself in a fight. And that's exactly the same. I'd just be like drooling. I, I would never get to that point where yeah. someone's actually using their human force to throw aggression at me <laughs> at that point i'm like oh i'm looking at my friends and just like please someone do just something like, come come in like you're the in, big dude in. what are you doing i was like i know but i'm not good just because i'm like, big you know, doesn't mean i know how to like yeah i have no idea how to guy. Use, i don't know my own strength <laughs> yeah so you fall I, so i'm just you know a lot of the times i can connect the dots <laughs> I, I could i could predict but maybe like the next thing that happens, right? <laughs> oh, this you is start an apple great. orchard, but, but which is not the case. Where in the hell did you end up being in the booze business in any capacity? Yeah. Okay. So just a quick little timeline. I leave school. I get a degree by the grace of all that is science and inquiry. Inquiry. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was a time back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, that was great. Uh, yeah, so I get a degree. Um, I meet someone who was a mutual friend. Um, it's hiring, and it's the ethics board of the city of New York. It's called the Conflicts of Interest Board. Interesting. Um, so they hire me on because I am fresh out of school. I have an academic pursuit, uh, and they don't want attorneys. They want someone who is malleable, impressionable, and could entertain a crowd. Yeah. I had no idea what I was signing up for, but that was, I knew once I spent a couple of months there, I had a, an, uh, Alex Kipp was my boss and he was, he went to the Lecoq, Le, Le I gotta be very clear about that, uh -huh. Lecoq uh, School of Clowning in <laughs> Paris. Yeah. <laughs> well, you gotta be very, so I didn't Not know any of this. other one, the clown school. The clown school where it's like just pulling out all <laughs> that is the things that you're afraid of and just yeah. your inner uh, Marcel Marceau, right? Isn't he the big French clown guy? No, sorry, he's a mime. <laughs> They're very different. I am. I would I, appreciate a just a obviously. little respect in this issue. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Ugh, awkward. God, how did I confuse clown and mimes again? <laughs> that, never so that, happens. Was, that was my teacher. <laughs> I got it all, uh, but it it really taught me to to basically dissolve yourself in front of someone else, let go of the ego. And as a twenty two or twenty three year old, that is one of the most invaluable lessons you can learn. Is that like when you stand in front of a group, if your job is to make them connect with a picayune law yeah. uh, that they probably didn't even know about before you walked in there, and you can get them to laugh and listen and engage, mm -hmm. then you're going to get a little bit of retention. And so. Imagine my love for a city. I feel like I'm kind of giving back because I'm working for the city. Right. Uh, I'm also pursuing something noble out of sure. school, right? So I can write home postcards and like, no, I've got a job yeah, at the ethics board. Morally clear. Morally clear, right. absolutely. And then I can stand up as a suit in New York City and say like, hey, I know this is crazy. You've never heard of this, but there's a gifts rule. And I'm going to tap dance in front of you <laughs> and you're going to care. So I'm that like, gift... Yeah. Shame on you. Don't do that. Don't do that gift. It's not illegal, but it's illegal. What do you mean? <laughs> You're not going to get arrested, but you will get fined. Oh, go on. You know, like that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did that for a couple of years. Um, 
and there was one opportunity. There was no, I mean, there was, it was, a, it was a office of 20 people and half of them were attorneys yeah. and I wasn't going to law school. Um, and my talents were clearly in entertaining people, not the, the nuance of the law. <laughs> it was just the like, onerous nature yeah, of, of law. I was not promulgating any sort of rules based on this statute. Um, anyway, so <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. I like it. I like it a lot. So all right. So we are. So this is good. It's good. You is it that you want to quit, or you're like. I'm better served in another industry. There is an opportunity for me to go to the next step, but okay. it is not in New York City. It's in Denver. Denver? Yeah. Colorado brings on an ethics law in 2000, the end of 2008, the beginning of 2009. Fantastic. I go out. They have one person. They want a number two. Yeah. This is a great opportunity for me to go and do the tap dance as a number two advance my career in the ethics world. In the ethics world, yeah. Because I want to end up at the UN. I want to end up back in New York. Yeah. Go all over the world and talk about the importance of ethics. That position, after I set up residency for living in Colorado to have, be a state employee, the budget gets cut before the position starts oh, because no. it's the ec economic downturn. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually literally <laughs> at a music store that's also a head shop waiting to go through all the process i'm just making i was making 720 an hour i right. quickly got promoted to manager making eight dollars an hour it's an 80 cents Ooh, raise for, yeah. that's a good percentage 10 percent, or roughly 10 percent. Seven, 7.2 yeah, yeah let's not, something. not not give them too much credit <laughs> yeah so Ooh, I, 11 percent no, <laughs> someone is going to complain about the percentages <laughs> Uh, so uh, I was this manager at a record store head shop um, waiting for these interviews to go through. And I find out the news and uh, me and my girlfriend at the time were just like, well, it's not going through. We're going to go back to New York. We kind of raced each other to a new job. Um, and that's when I learned. I was like, all right, mm -hmm. I care about two other things. There's two other things I'm very good at. Mm -hmm. Um, or things, when I say good, I mean, I read a lot about. Yeah. <laughs> and as someone who struggles with motivation, I look at those as being good at them, right? Yeah. If you're going to read about it, that means you're really good at it. That's not the case. It just means that you're <laughs> dedicated. Those two things were men's fashion. Ooh. Yeah. You didn't see that one coming? No, I didn't see that yeah. one coming. You had a jacket on earlier, though, didn't you? You like that, right? Yeah, I noticed that. Mm. Yeah, so blazers help you get in anywhere. Uh, although they get get you mocked in Austin, apparently no one does the blazer. We don't. No, it's we're, great. Sh we're schmoes. I, well, I appreciate that it's <laughs> April and ninety degrees, and I yeah. don't have to wear it. Yeah, it's great. Um, the other one is whiskey, and I was a hobbyist the whole time. Yeah. And at the time that I came into whiskey, admittedly, it was younger than most people come into whiskey. You're supposed to be about thirty plus or minus. Right. And I got the taste at like twenty one or twenty two. And when I was 21 or 22, there was not that many options. So no, it's different then, right? Totally different. And even in New York, you could go into a place like this is a whiskey bar, and you could bang out their menu within a couple, maybe a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. If you're really feeling good, a week or so. Um, so I got to grow as the industry grew, and I didn't know that it was going to be... I had people ask me. I was settling trivia bets. Like I was kind of that, that tangential person yeah, yeah. on your team that knew a little bit about this other thing that was crazy. Uh, and it blew up. And so now I had this skill set um, that I didn't know was a skill set, but it gave me a great opportunity. Well, so there's no whiskey industry. You said you become the tangential expert on whiskey. Yeah. Where, do you recall like the first time that you 
for sipping it or that it really piqued your interest or you just were reading about it a lot? Yeah, well, my first my first like kind of aha moment was I uh um well there's two. Okay. So I'm, <laughs> I'm at a party uh and there's, there's a lot of people buying rounds mm-hmm. and I'm I'm right at 21 20 okay. right. I'm in New York. Yeah. And so you're starting early, man. Like well, not not drinking early. That's early. Not from you Texans. Talk, yeah, yeah, I'm way behind. Right, I'm a straight yeah, edge true, kid. Right. True, yeah. So, but I moved to New York, and everything changes. And I break up with this girlfriend. I was like, oh man, it's a whole new world. What am I gonna do? Um. So I, I'm, you, you, in New York, it's very important. Like your your social capital is based on knowledge mm-hmm. and confidence. So you can't ever be like, uh, I don't. Well, I don't. What would what would you do? Right. Yeah. Can't be like naive. Right. You, you cannot yeah. be naive. Right. Because people eat eat you up. So, uh, lots of lots of beers, lots of beers, lots of beers, and someone I'm at a party. They get around and it's Jack and Cokes. Okay, and I taste it and it tastes like everything that is rock and roll. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, this is the best thing that has ever happened to my. Was mouth. that your first drink? That was or thereabouts. No, it was beer before that. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but first I, booze, man. That was the first hard alcohol, um, and my it was sour pleasures oh pleasure centers of your brain just started oh, like oh it was it was exactly what i needed right then and i was like looking around it was a moment where you're looking around it's like are you tasting this like yeah like, <laughs> it's, it's, oh, it's just like the record right like are you hearing this well yeah except they wouldn't care about the record and yeah. it, or they've heard it all a million right right it's like me saying like have you heard graceland they're like yeah yeah we've, yeah we've yeah it's, it's been around <laughs> yeah so I'm, I'm having this Jack and Coke experience, and I, that is everything that I want. So fast forward, um, I'm as a, as a college student, you just fill in time. You're trying to get some money. Uh, so I'm working for a real estate company, and I'm doing I'm because I grew up with computers. I'm their IT expert. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> which was great. I had no idea what I was doing, but it was great. It was a good little little side gig, some money. Uh, and the mortgage company that we partnered with took us all out as like the celebratory holiday yeah. party. I go up to the bar and I order a Jack and Coke. And the okay. person next to me, who I know I'm supposed to look up to, works right, for the right. company, whatever. So I was like, oh, you like whiskey? And I was like, well, <laughs> sure, I, I don't man. know. And he was like, well, Jack Daniels is a whiskey. I was like, I love whiskey. Whiskey's amazing. <laughs> this is great. He's like, well, that, let me get you a real whiskey, right? And he orders a single malt. Ah. And I taste it. And it might be the worst thing I've ever had. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> I, I was like, okay, great. Thanks, brother. You know, like, I'm yeah. going to go over here and spit it out, whatever. Um, so that really started it shotgunned is probably the best way to ooh that's a horrible drinking pun but <laughs> i look at it as the, i didn't even think about that yeah <laughs> the going it was like a, it was a very widespread the impetus yes <laughs> i was like okay if these two things are whiskey yeah. then i need to know all that is whiskey right because they're and so completely different completely different yeah. And to be, I didn't understand the difference between a mixed drink and something by itself. Like it's funny to see the stair steps of knowledge, yeah. right? That you you work with people. So from that point on, I would go to these bars and I would uh, try different American whiskeys. And there was a bar; uh, it's still there. Welcome to the Johnsons um, in the Lower East Side. That their well whiskey was Philadelphia, and for some reason, Philadelphia mixed with Coke, yeah, tasted. Like it was enough interesting whiskey. I mean, it's not right. Philadelphia is not an interesting whiskey. Yeah. It's a blended made by a bajillion people in a warehouse somewhere. Uh, but it seemed like it was enough whiskey that I could be in the know. Like that I would start seeking out these bars that yeah, had yeah. Ph- Philadelphia in their well. Well, I didn't know it was just like the 
bottom of the bin. Yeah, it's a good place to start start learning about it. Like reverse engineering. You're giving me way. way more credit. <laughs> the way I looked at it, it was like street cred to say, oh, it's Philadelphia and you're well. And the bartender, as you can imagine, rolling their eyes like, I, I don't know. They look at it like, Oh, weird. Yeah, it's yeah, Philadelphia. Right, I was cool. like, oh, this is a good spot. We're going to go here. You know, <laughs> had nothing else. Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. So uh, at the Johnson's, I would hold court uh, every Tuesday, okay. and I would just start to try new whiskeys, start to try new whiskeys. And that's not a great place to try new whiskeys because the the uh, the business model was PAPS. Yeah, like right, PBR right. and it's not the, it's not If you're going to elevate your knowledge, it's not the place. No, no. So then I would I would have to explore, and I, and I started tracking down all these other whiskeys and I found that oh I actually quite like American whiskey. Okay. American whiskey is is where uh, where I'm most comfortable. And I I had that pursuit all the way up until um you know I go to Colorado, I come back um and we have mutual friends that have two spots in New York. Okay. Both have whiskey in the name. Yeah. I'm like, "Oh, this is fantastic because they've got to have a lot, right?" Right. <laughs> yeah. My interests are also aligning with they're shot in beer bars, and they oh, are no, no, no. It's it, it's good it's at good the time. Okay. It's brilliant. So they're they're modeled in the way of like their nostalgic view of the Jersey Shore, like all the good things that they they grew up in New Jersey, and yeah. they love going to the shore. It was like their state fair, but in a very fun nostalgic way. And they built their their bars around hospitality, okay, not selection, not craft cocktails. Yeah. It was like when you come in, we're gonna know your name. It's gonna be a clean bar. The bathrooms are going to be clean. It's going to be a great experience. You're going to we'll want just, to be there. You want to be there. Yeah. Uh, they just happen to have whiskey in their names. Interesting. So when they are opening the third bar, we're talking. I said, well, I'm a big whiskey nerd. I've been to your bars. The selection is not, there's some things. The fitting of the name. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a really great, fantastic bar that just happens to have whiskey in the name. So opening the third bar and they're like, well, we're, we're considering expanding the 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 idea of whiskey, and we also want to open a retail spot. Oh, wow. Uh, <coughs> and they want... <laughs> that was a weird sigh. I don't know what that meant. Well, I just realized there's a big hole in the conversation that's probably not too interesting, but at this time, I was working for in men's fashion oh, uh, good. for some lifestyle folks, uh, and I was looking after a very expensive retail spot. Okay. So they were like, well, you love whiskey, and you know this high-end retail thing. We want to do a retail spot. And we want to bring someone on to make it their baby. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds great. I'm like, cool, you're going to go through our boot camp that is opening a bar with us, being a part of the family, and er- learning what it's our hospital... you into it. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. So they, uh, in these, this family, the Rotolo family, are just, they are so adamant about great service and hospitality mm. that it gave me uh, a very specific view on the industry. So I came into the industry... I love cocktails. I love. I was going out to bars. I love whiskey. Yeah. Um. But their approach was like, all, mixology was just kind of happening in New York, and they they raised. They're like, no, no, no. We we don't want to. It's not about that for them. Right? Not at all. Yeah. We don't want it to take twenty minutes for you to get your drink. And you got to think about now. This is years ago, right? Yeah. The, it it's not about them. It's not about the twenty minutes. It's not about the drink. It's that you come in and this is the best time of your life, and we know your name. And everything's clean, and we'll yeah. keep you here. It's a different, it's a different prerogative, right? Totally, and that's how I came into the industry with wholesome with, hospitality, people forward, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and they were they were printing money. To be fair, I mean, they were able to open places. They were very supportive of their staff. Um, they were doing a great job. Uh, so when they wanted to open this whiskey shop, I was like, "Well, guys, you know, I care a lot about the whiskey. 
I care a lot about the product. Yeah, I care yeah, yeah. a lot about the nerdiness. Uh, and at this time, I was <clears throat> experimenting in distilling. How? Which, in what capacity? <laughs> oh, I don't. Did you taste this fourteen-year-old Caribbean cask? Yeah, Did you know that's so fourteen good. years in America. Did you build a still? No. We, <laughs> so so good. So you didn't build a still. You didn't operate it in a small area. Uh, let's just say I had some really great friends <laughs> who are also good at brewing that wanted to try their hand at distilling, and I was not going to be the policeman. Sure. Of course. I'm not going to slap your guys' hand. No, I yeah. would like to be there and you know maybe pour some things into some vessels, and maybe it was just me See and some happens. other person. And yeah. Yeah, watch so, a lot of bad TV. <laughs> uh, so I got into <laughs> distilling. I was in the nerdy side, so it was like this fun... It was a fun introduction to the industry that it was, I had to keep my head down at their third bar because mm-hmm. it was all about service, less emphasis on the whiskey. Right, right, that right. would come naturally as people started to care about it and bring it in. Certainly no mixology, although I had a big passion for cocktails. Mm. Um, that was a whole separate life. As a shop opened and I was working at, I was doing my own distilling. I had some other friends that were coming up. This is when craft distilling is- Like not a thing yet. Well, it's blooming. Okay. So, which well, means you guys, that, like, if you're in New York, you guys get to do it before we like it's blooming here. Sure, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, if well, when you open your distillery, yeah. there's not many people in town that are going to talk that story. So right. you go, and I'm now we're friends. Yeah, and I go, and we go play at your distillery. Right, it's that time. It's like the experimenting yeah, yeah, time. Yeah. And um, so, with this shop, it opens. Uh, it's great. We're in the right place, the right time. We're in we're in Williamsburg, which oh, is where the, yeah. the hipsters are, right? In Absolutely, Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, and we're on North 11th, which is literally three doors down from Brooklyn Brewery. So there's already traffic coming up there. We're getting crazy press just for proximity. What is this spot called, if you can say? Because <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. I'm not from New York. I don't know. It's called the Whiskey Shop. Cool. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. It's called the Whiskey that Shop. makes some sense. Yeah. Uh, and all we really wanted to do was focus on whiskey. Yeah. So when you come in, uh, it was like 200 square foot. It was super small. Oh, wow. But it was, uh, imagine like two or th- three stories tall. You had a library ladder. You would come down a long hallway and you would be greeted with me uh-huh. and a desk. What you- were you wearing? Oh. Because I, cause I, I think this men's fashion thing's got to cross over. Absolutely. Yeah. Fashion. So there's... There was a lot of t-shirt and blazers. Okay. There was a lot of uh, jeans, t-shirt, and blazers. Any ascots? Uh, no, I wasn't afraid of ties, but ascots seemed like it was just wasn't. I have a massive neck. <laughs> okay, uh, but there was like, but we'd have vinyl playing, right? Oh, we had yeah, a, yeah. A, a turntable. We'd play vinyl. Um, I had a nice, beautiful Mac. Uh, we used Lightspeed POS, Ooh, like all of this, yeah. you know, nice all this stuff. cutting edge stuff in 2010, 11, whatever it was. Oof, when was it? What is this, 2016? Yeah, yeah. 2010, yeah. 2011. Um, so we're opening where everyone's like falling over themselves to find the new Brooklyn, to find um, oh, all these people that care about Providence and how things are made. Right. And this is like a whole new journey. So we would get people coming in from not only the United States, but all over the world. Global. They're like, yeah, they're like, yeah. oh, this is a whiskey shop. It's in Williamsburg. You got to go see this guy. They come in, and the, and the reps are like embarrassed immediately because it's this tiny space. It's just me behind a desk. Yeah. And they come and talk, and then we start to have it out, and they realize, like, oh, actually, he knows. Yeah, he's yeah. making and all of the So I get uh, probably, uh, I'm right place, right time. I get more accolades than is deserved. And What kind of accolades does one get at a whiskey store wearing a blazer? 
<laughs> to make it specific. We were really. very highly Zagat rated. Oh, I just want you to there know. There we go. Yeah, no, the yeah. things that I was proud of, like we would get, we, we were in Pen Magazine. Okay. Uh, it's a Japanese magazine. It's fantastic. You should look at it. I give you homework. Ooh. Pen Magazine is okay, you're good. I like fantastic. this. I like this. Um, and so they came out. They were doing a big New York uh, issue, and we made it into there. I was very proud of that. But um, one of the things that was weird, right place, right time, is I was a, a Forbes 30 under 30. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got a Florence Fabricant New York Times write up. I got uh, some just weird, like. A lot of accolades. A lot of accolades that were probably. Undeserved? Uh, yeah, I want to say undeserved. Yeah. They're absolutely undeserved. Or was, are you just being humble or you really think that. No, no, they were absolutely undeserved yeah. because they, they were, I feel like they were a little handcuffed in that they had to talk about this area. It was unmistakable that there was energy. And, and I guess maybe if there was any. Humility is that we were a part of that, but we were, I don't think we were the cutting edge of that, right? Yeah. If you if you know, uh, again, it's all about service. It's about welcoming. It's not about being self-aware. It's not about understanding. It's not about us. It's about them. Yeah, right? it's about yeah. bringing people in. Yeah. Um, so in a lot of ways, I think that was very interesting for them um, to get. It wasn't just a New York Times write-up. I mean, they they their bars were like in in the front clips of SNL. Yeah, and that's oh, the things yeah. that they enjoyed. They're like, yeah. oh look, that was our bar, you know. And when Florence Fabricant comes out and has an interview and sits with you, and you have to explain to the guys like, no, no, this is a this is a really big deal. Like, yeah, you should care. Like, this is a New York Times one two. Right, it's Florence Fabricant. Like, she called. I have. To this day, I have that message on my phone. It was like a big deal. Kept it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So to get that right I up. I feel was, uh, like I pale in comparison, goddammit. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> we have talked about Tim Patrick. <laughs> this is great. Uh, I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, yeah. Well, the the Forbes thing, uh, when they were first starting out their 30 under 30, I was in the first year, which is, wow. again, right place, right time. Yeah. Because they felt that they had to have all these different categories. So they had real estate, they had banking, they had business, they yeah. had entertainment, stuff that was obvious. And they're like, oh, people in the world care about food and wine. We should have some food and wine people. Yeah. Well, food and wine, if you're LeBron James, you're under 30 and making a killing and changing basketball. If you're Mark Zuckerberg, what, oh, like the people that were in the first 30 under 30 were <laughs> hilarious. Spotify, the guy yeah, who yeah, did yeah. Spotify, like these are, that was the cover. And and they, they were just completely at a loss for food and wine. And they had three <laughs> finalists. Uh, it was Danny Meyer. Okay. Uh, or Sorry, three judges. Danny yeah. Meyer. It was Daniel Ballou. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, it was a Southern wine guy. Oh, wow. I can't remember his name. But a nice panel, respectable. Yeah, it was, well, it was a nice, but also very New York centric. Because uh, okay. that's where Forbes is. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It made sense. I can't remember the Southern guy. Oh, well. Um, it just so happens that at the time, my ex-girlfriend uh, was the executive assistant of Daniel Ballou. So when How the hell do you figure? That's so crazy. It's great. It's amazing. It sounds so, like it's going to end up good for you. But yeah. We'll just, so we'll just Danielle say. gets a poll. He's like, how, how many people do you know that are doing stuff in the food and wine? And he literally, like, in the office one day, looks like, hey, yo, to my ex. Yeah. Like, uh, your boyfriend. He's like, well, we're broken up. Like, how old is he? She, uh, she calls me up. She's like, are you under 30? He's like, yes, 29. <laughs> Hang up. Like, uh, that's it. He's like, yeah, it's 29. <laughs> She's like, Great. Puts me on this long list of the Danielle things. Oh, my gosh. They didn't have any booze people. Really? They had a lot of restaurant people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I sneak in 
on the first year because 29 29 of your they didn't know people it was fantastic so now what's great is they ask us year after year like who they should look for i'm like well because i am in the know (laughs) you know so that, that that has kind of been my career and that uh, right place, right, right time. place, right time. And, and I think there was also that little bit of like, what do you really love? That that acknowledgement that the academic, the moral pursuit that yeah. you think everyone wants you to do when that's pulled out from under you. And then you realize like, they don't really care. Be, they just want you to be happy. That's like right. what makes you happy? And it was two things. And I had the opportunity to have ownership with the whiskey. Yeah. And that just, I, I had a friend that I met with William Grant that I knew through the bar that I opened with them, Whiskey Brooklyn, which was the bar underneath Whiskey Shop. And we just kept that friendship going and they progressed with this company called William Grant. And I would get all these people coming through. I would get all these suppliers, all these distributors. There was always one company that the guy, he didn't have any pressure. There was no hard sell. He's like, yeah, I work for a family company. We did some stuff that was a little weird in the 70s and 80s. We made more whiskey. We had this whiskey called Glenfiddich. I was like, Oh, yeah, I've heard of Glenfiddich yeah. doing really well. And we, they bought Belveni from me. And it's like, yeah, you know, we're going to buy Hudson. And it's like all this like understated but confident. Just kind of like, matter of fact. Completely. This goes way back to what we were talking about. Don't make a big deal about it. Just It's matter of fact. You're saying these profound fact. things, right? Yeah. So I think I, I mean, I'm not going to assume. But I think we should enter the 17 year and talk about this next chapter that I see emerging out of this chat. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we've had a lot of time with the 17 to stick out. So uh, the 17 and the 14 are very similar in that they've spent that amount of time in American Oak. That's part of the Balvenie characteristic. It's Mm -hmm. part of the style. This one, though, is in homage to the original Doublewood. Doublewood was just basically like our lack of cleverness Mm -hmm. Uh, when marketing came out. (laughs) No one was doing finishing. Uh, so we had to come up with a way to talk about, well, we're going to use two types of types of wood or we're, we're using two types of casks or how do we do that, right? It's the shortest marketing meeting ever. It's like, wait, one wood, two, double wood, great. You know, <laughs> mic drop, nailed it, everybody go home, have your neeps and toddies or whatever they're having. Um, so this is how a lot of people come into the Balvenie, the 12-year-old double wood. The 17-year-old oh, is very interesting. It's It's actually quite new. It's only a few years old. Oh, really? It's it's in celebration of our malt master's fiftieth year with the company, oh, wow. which that's another thing that doesn't resonate with me, right? As a as an American, when someone says fifty years with a company, you're like, oh great, so you get a cool watch, or right, something. Right. You're like a plaque, maybe, yeah. yeah. And you're like, well, you're just hunched over, you have bad posture, and you're sitting at the same desk. Like this guy has been fifty fucking years, yeah, dude, seriously, five decades. That's incredible. Not only shaping his own life and career, which. I think he'd be the first person to talk about maybe in the beginning that was his motivation. But yeah. at the end, it was just like, oh, this is okay. I'm going to get my paycheck. I'm going to keep this going. He has made some of the best and coolest and most interesting um, contributions to the category. Yeah, yeah. And that to me was appealing. At the whiskey shop, I was mostly focusing on American craft whiskey. And then I would have this little shelf for Balvenie. Mm. So people coming in, they want to know about Corsair or Balcones or whatever's going on in the country. Mm-hmm. St. George. Oh, God, I love St. George. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what, what, what is this? And I was like, well, this is a single malt scotch from Scotland. Um, they're not afraid to put a lot of words on their label. They're not afraid to be very open about their process, which to me was very sexy because 
I did all the distilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually working for a distillery at the time. I was working for Kings County uh, out in Brooklyn. So oh, no kidding, that's it, cool. I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, they're it's yeah, good stuff. They're yeah, and and just great people, great people. Um, so when this when people would come in, I was like, yeah, you should take a look at this. Uh, it's a very rare distillery, and that they still do all these things yeah. by hand. And you start to realize, like when you're saying that, it seems so. As a cynical person, it seems so twee. And so marketing. And then you go, like, I get the opportunity. So I'm, I'm asked, like, do you want to be a brand ambassador? I was like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Why? But what was the, the, the Because the people version? that were coming in at that time that were brand ambassadors were like hired smiles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And, and as a nerd who's making whiskey. No, it's, it's against our credo, right? Because we're like, no, we're going to do this thing. We're going to do it honest. And I'm only going to do what I want to do because I've got my, I've got my values. Right, as I point on the table, we, I've got yeah. my values. <laughs> you Marble can't pay table. me. You can't pay me to do this other stuff. I mean, it, it's a common thread. It seems like in a lot of stuff that you experience, it's like I'm going to do this, but only when I say when I want to. Yeah, right? exactly. So if someone comes to you and says, "All right, so you're a great gin enthusiast. Great, we want you to work for Green Hook Gin." I'm like, okay, Green Hook, lovely. That guy's great. Super enthusiastic. Yeah, yeah. Has a Jeep that has a whole bunch of painting on the side of it. Fantastic. <laughs> love him. He's a go-getter. A but go-getter. I, but, yeah. <laughs> but I love like St. George and their approach to gin. And yep. I like the new American gin. And I love the old styles of gin. Like, how could I ever choose one? Yeah. And for me, it was basically the, the great culmination of working for this distillery in Brooklyn, um, understanding that at the shop I had basically done all that's needed to do in two years yeah. to make this my baby. We could we could put someone in there hourly and make... And be fine. And make more money, essentially, oh, right? Because oh, yeah. it's a business decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're paying me salary I see. to be there. I've done the hard work, the yeah. legwork. You're in Williamsburg. Can, you get a very enthusiastic hipster to go in there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Or the people that work in our bars, right? That's sure. another way. Oh, for, yeah, great point. It's great. So I, I start to pull away and... and then the opportunity uh, comes to work with William Grant. And this had slowly, the seed had been planted and that there's an independent whiskey company, an independent liquor company out mm-hmm. in the world that's rubbing elbows with the evil empires and all the things that you don't like. And to hear Brand Ambassador, I immediately shut off. I was like, no, absolutely not. And they're like, well, just do a little research, see what we do. And you find out that actually they're the, you know, the most respected in the game. They get the most resources uh, you do not get to talk about whatever you're working for until you go visit that distillery. Wow. Like you are on complete radio silence until yeah. you visit it and you have your own stories. So you, you get pre- So you have the experience. You have the experience, yeah. And for me, think about that, being looked at for the experience the whole time and then being told, all right, welcome, you cannot talk about this. I was like, what? But I that's actually f- good. It's great. You're like, you're like, oh, you're telling me not to? I thought this was a job about just talking. Yeah. Like, okay. Right, I got my interest. Yeah, it was in my ear. And 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 at that time, I was the only American on the Scotch team. Really? And I'm a Texan, <laughs> you know, living in New York. So this a, a New York Texan working on a Scotch team. Oh, it was great, and it, it blew my mind. And they they were basically like, when I was hired, there was East and West. Yeah, West was San Francisco, LA. East is going to be in New York. Um, that's what I was going for. That's what I was asked to to apply for. Yeah. Um, and that was also an honor to be asked to apply for this position. Like a buddy that worked for the family said, hey, no, I want you to, to go for this. So I did. Um, they created a third spot, which existed for our sister distillery, Glenfiddich. Mm-hmm. They had East, Central, West, but they didn't have that for Balvenie. And they created that with me. And they're like, hey, congratulations. You can move to 
Dallas or Chicago. Whoa. And I'm like, oh, so I'm not going to be in my parents. Right. I was like, well, I don't get to be in New York. And I'm like, if I'm not going to be in New York, I'm not going to go to, oh, this, I love you, Chicago. Yeah. I love you, Chicago. But ORD, not an on-time airport. No. Oh, geez. So if you're placing me somewhere where the airport matters, I'm going to go for the warmer climate. Yeah. And to all my family that might be listening, I'm definitely going to go with the family, right? Of course. So I moved to Dallas. Uh, and now I've been there, you know, three years. But yeah. it was it was a big transition from agnostic, passionately agnostic, caring about things, to being the only American on a Scotch team coming and like singing the praises of where I'm sitting in Austin, and yeah. we're talking about the nuances between American Oak. Yeah, and we're talking about South Creek. Yes. How is that shit? Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, what what is it? Uh, <laughs> here is the latest. Saddle Creek. Oh, uh, <laughs> wow. There's, well, so, there's literally like three people in the world that got <laughs> um Shudder to think Fugazi, Chapel Hill, around the early 90s. This is the latest from Saddle Creek. Okay, so to the Chapel Hill Carborough, I actually got to go see a show at Cat's Cradle. Oh, in really? The last two years. Yeah. Oh, how was it? <clears throat> I'm glad it exists. <laughs> it was fantastic. Good, good. It I'm was glad. a neutral milk hotel show. Ah, uh, was he crazy yet? Or crazier? It was a lovely show. <laughs> they make you like empty I your pockets. And I shit. love North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get closer to the microphone. Sure. Yeah. Might as well. It's more nuanced. So this is, man, we did a, a nice, brief, but beautiful and delicious fight of the Balvenie. Got the 14 year that is finished in rum casks. Really treated 14 years in oak, and you said nine months in the Caribbean cask. Can I call it a Caribbean cask? Yeah, I mean, that's marketing. Good. So basically, it's going from American oak to American oak. The difference is instead of ex bourbon cask, we actually have our cask hold some rum. Got it. Um, Part of that it, kind of flavor. It actually is not that sexy. Like, I really thought that we had this sister, like Caribbean distillery yeah, 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 that we yeah. could go visit. No. <laughs> It's a it's like a mixture of a few distilleries through a broker uh, who has access to smaller distilleries. Yeah. Sends it up. It's basically what David wants. Okay. Uh, sends up. We season our cast with it. Yeah. And then when we're done with it, so it could it could last for about four cycles of of seasoning for a year. Right. Right. So after that time, we send it. We sell it. Sell it back. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. Make a little money off yeah. of the, that makes the fact sense. that it's aged rum now, right, right? Right, right, The broker loves it. They get aged rum uh, after people that care about maturation. And the distiller, the distilleries in the Caribbean love it because they can put it into their golden rum and whatever. Sure, lots yeah. of different things. And then the 17 is, it's excellent, man. I really appreciate you sharing that one. Oh, yeah. They're both wonderful. But. It's a decadent dram. Yeah. So the 17 is 17 years in American oak, and then it's finished in Spanish oak. Mm. Um What's the difference? I, I, we don't have to get into it, but I, I'm not too familiar with Spanish oak. Well, Spanish, Spanish oak, fly, maybe, but not Spanish. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's just as tricky. Uh, <laughs> the Spanish oak is a fantastic. So, uh, wow, how much time do we have? Mm. Okay, all of those. There were more than one finger, and it wasn't <laughs> the middle one. Uh, great. So we're going to do this. So Spanish oak is interesting in that in some parts of the grain, it can look very similar to American oak. Okay. And American oak gets a lot of its love and umph because oh, this is so cynical, but because it can be automated. The fact that American oak is similar grain pattern throughout yeah. um, makes it very great for an industry. Sure. Not yeah, well, consistency is key, right? Con- yeah, that is very diplomatic. Yes, consistency is key. 
So if you take all of that and flip it on its head, then you have Spanish oak. And Spanish oak, basically, if you can think about sherry, mm. which no one is drinking, and it's all your fault that Spanish casks are very expensive. Uh, <laughs> no one's drinking sherry. It used to be very popular. Right. Uh, you have this rule after Prohibition. Uh, there was a, a, a Cooper lobby that made American oak, it, or, or sorry, to make bourbon. You had to be into new cask every single time. So yeah. since that point, the 40s and 50s, everybody in Scotch whiskey shifted to American oak. It also coincides with the unpopularity of sherry. So now all the sherry that we are enjoying or drinking, most of it comes from American oak, and most people don't know that. So the oh, only okay. people that are really propping up the Spanish oak sherry industry, and I'm air quoting sherry, okay. uh, is the, the whiskey industry, both Scotch and Irish. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so we got a chance, uh, the, the Balvenny Global Ambassadors, there's nine or ten of us around the world. We mm -hmm. get together every year and we try to go do something educational. Last year we went to, to Jerez and Seville. Yeah. Okay. So that's the south, uh, oh, if, southwest of Spain, where all of the Spanish oak is coming from the north. So if, if you're in the southwest and you're in a protected region of Sherry, then you are very reliant and dependent on your partner that's in the north at the forest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you have like your your dudes or your ladies, whoever is looking after that forest, you pay them to send you wood. The wood that comes down to your sherry bodega is 25% waste. Oh, geez. But it's so expensive that instead of selling it off to like lumber people or other people that would use wood, it's more... Uh, uh, utilitarian to cut that up and use that as your fuel at the bodega. Oh my gosh! Okay. For, yeah, for whatever energy you need. Sometimes right. smoking, sometimes wood, all this stuff. Yeah, so it's a very different process than American oak cooperages. American oak cooperages, you can automate, send it through. So so, you know, it, it's it's cool looking. It's it's like for the the people that love Legos in the world, the engineers they would love it. Yeah. For those of you who like hands on romantic. You would love the Spanish oak industry because it has to go by hand through 20 or 30 people. They have to do all of these medieval cranks and uh, folds and planing and all of this because they're having to throw out a lot of wood. Um, and through that, basically, they coax open the pores after 45 minutes of toasting. Okay. They coax open the pores so that it will accept this Oloroso sherry-esque thing. For two years. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So we season those casts for two years, and then they get sent up to Scotland, in which after 17 years in American Oak, these things go into those new casks yeah. for nine months. God. So we season them for two years to go in for nine months, and then happy days, people like us in Austin smell, nose, and enjoy them. I but almost feel like I, I don't deserve this. <laughs> It's so delicious. So Spanish oak focuses a lot of the, the, the structure. There's a lot of tannins in Spanish oak, uh, which is why people continue to use it. You get a lot of that deep fruit, deep characteristic, which comes off on the nose for sure. Uh, but in this, you'll notice there's the same similar viscosity that you got in the 14-year-old, yeah. but there's a little bit of structure at the very back, right? You get a little bit of hug at the back of your tongue, and I think that helps you, uh, for me, it helps define the decadence, right? If something was too oily, it was too too just like quaffable. You're yeah. like, oh, no, no, that's really great. What I love about this is it's super oily, but it has that balance of tannins that just kind of hug your tongue 
and give you a little bit of pacing to understand yeah. uh, this is a good drink. It is a good drink. It's a real good drink. Dude, it's been... I can't... So, you know, <clears throat> I come in, want to chat with Trevor. We've been corresponding. Had no idea that you were going to take a later flight. Had no idea you were such a, a brother-in-arms about music, straight edges, and whiskey, and you're a Texan. Dude, it's been just a fucking privilege. <laughs> <laughs> As you laugh, you're like, really? Man, all right. yeah, this is great. Yeah, no, no. no, it's been incredible. It's been faithful, and I hope we can keep chatting, and I hope that we can keep drinking, dude. Jonathan, it's been just a pleasure. Thanks so much for chatting with me. Absolutely. Well, there we have it. Apparently, if you spend some time at Vox Table, you're bound to run into somebody interesting. You're bound to run into somebody who intentionally missed her flight, maybe. Loves Saddle Creek, maybe. And maybe they will share some delicious Balvany whiskey with you. Thank you again, Jonathan. It was, you know, we're like kindred spirits, man. We could just dive right into it, talk about Connor versus Tim. And yeah, maybe this is a musically nerdy episode, but you know what? If you're around the same age, you grew up in this scene, this music environment in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, it's fun to talk about. It's fun to reminisce and it's fun to revisit that nostalgia. So thanks everybody for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter which fine spirit you're drinking from the William Grant Sons portfolio, no matter which exciting new summer cocktail is coming your way, please keep dancing.